Today on episode number 562 of the School of Podcasting, we're going to be talking with Joe from the Stacking Benjamins podcast, and he's he's going to explain how he changed his podcast format, and it cost him 30% of his audience, but now he's working on his fifth sponsor. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for uh, stopping by. If you're new to the show, I'm going to bring my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology. And I'm also going to help you massage your message. I'm going to help you flatten that learning curve, face your fears and tackle that technology and not just get you on the road to podcasting because you can watch a bunch of old outdated YouTube videos and do that. But gets you podcasting in a way that makes you a digital influencer, that gets you creating a podcast that people don't tune out of. And we're going to talk about people tuning out today with uh, Joe from Stacking Benjamins. But I'm going to take a quick detour. And I know you're like, wait, wait, I, I tuned in to hear Joe. Give me four minutes, if that. I started watching the Steve Martin Masterclass. And it really does pertain with Joe. And that is, he basically said when he started out, this is back in the 60s. He goes, everybody, everybody was doing political stuff because it was the 60s. He said, all you had to do was say Nixon and people would just lose their mind. And so he said, hmm, what isn't being talked about? That was one of his thoughts. And he kind of went, you know, I could jump in, be another political comedian and be on the tail end of an old movement. But instead... He said he wanted to basically be funny without telling jokes. That's how he defined it. And that became the front end of a new movement. So you can be on the tail end of an old movement. You can call your show This Week in True Crime on Fire. You know, why not? Or you can try something that's new and unique. And he said the truth is a great way for getting material. He says sometimes... Things that are funny are simply saying what is ever on your mind. And he says, whatever makes you perfect as a performer, do that if you can do that one thing really, really well. And this is another one that stuck out on me. He said, all movies are cult movies. And if you think about it, uh, Stripes, Caddyshack, Animal House growing up for me, Top Gun, you know, all the big movies really don't, it's not like everybody's going to that movie. They're just really, you know, even Titanic. Yes, that was a, a romantic thing, but it was also cool because the historians would go there and to a certain extent, the action people would go there because they want to watch the boat sink. Sorry, spoiler alert. And uh, so I was like, you know what? That's that's kind of true. If you're trying to make something that's going to make everybody happy, don't worry about all movies are cult movies. And so he said, when you decide on a bit, so in our case, maybe when you decide on a segment of your show, you are defining your taste and the audience is waiting for your taste as you are the authority. They want to know what you think. So this could be like the uh, the Dave Jackson drinking game, I think, if we're going to make one of those. You know, every time I say back in the day, uh, every time I say the word listener as the coupon code for signing up at the School of Podcasting, and every time now I say Steve Martin, uh, you could drink. I always want to do the Joel Osteen drinking game. Do you know Joel Osteen? He's the happy Jesus man. 
You know, if you know, like every time he said God's favor, drink. Every time he said Victoria, you could drink. Every time he says uh, whatever, I think that would be fun to have a Joel Osteen. Not that I'm, I don't, I'm not even a drinker. I just, I think it would be fun to invent the Joel Osteen drinking game. But we're not here to talk about Joel Osteen. We're here to talk about Joel Saul Sihai. And uh, if you want to know the the secret behind his name, the the Saul part is his wife's last name. He, he took they they took their last names and put them together. Isn't that kind of a, oh, that's kind of cool, isn't it? I thought it was very romantic. Speaking of romantic things. And he is the creator and the co-host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast. Here's a cool thing. Kiplinger Magazine. You ever heard of that? I have. Yeah, listed it as uh, one of the best podcasts in 2016. The Art of Manliness listed it in their list of top podcasts for 2016, even though the show's not really aimed at men. What is it, Dave? It's a light magazine-style podcast about money, 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 where the goal isn't to teach as much as, and here's the key here, entertain people enough that they learn. So it's, you've heard me talk about my show. I try to be edutainment. That's always when I was teaching in classrooms, I wanted to be edutainment. I wanted people to laugh and have fun. And oh, by the way, wow, I now know how to do a mail merge in Microsoft Word. So over the last four years, Joe had to rebrand the podcast twice. So all you people thinking about, hmm, not sure if I should do that. Joe's just like, nope, it's not right. Let's go back to the drawing board. And after podcast movement in 2015, he completely blew up his format. Just said, bye, see ya. God love him. There it goes. And um, he changed everything. And he talks about how he lost 30% of his audience just went, oh, I'm out. I'm not in. I didn't sign up for this. So you'll hear some interesting things on how he dealt with People going, what'd you do to the show, man? But now he has five different sponsors, and the, the show comes out three times a week. So it's a major show here to, to put out that kind of content on a regular basis. And he'll, some really cool tools, he's going to talk about how he does that. And so without further ado, uh, let's bring on Joe Salcihai from the Stacking Benjamins podcast. I'm so happy to be back. Thanks. Always good hanging out with Dave Jackson. And I think it was... Two episodes ago, anyway, when I was talking about Chuck Berry, and I said one of the things Chuck did was he gave the audience what they want, and you came back with a really cool counterpoint, which was give the audience what they want as long as it ties in to what your goal is. Uh, expand on your your point there. My audience initially, Dave, doesn't know what to do with us because when you think financial podcast, you go to some talking head that is an expert and they're going to be on top of the mountain with these tablets and they're going <laughs> to tell you the rules of money. Right. So I've been listening to podcasts since about the dawn of podcasting. What was funny was people kept telling me I should make a podcast, but I just like listening to them. And what I found was in the money genre where I, I live, I was a financial planner for 16 years. There was nobody doing car talk. And Car Talk, for those of you that don't know what it is, it's a, it was a NPR a show. These guys click and clack, talk about cars ostensibly, but you don't learn crap about a car the whole time you listen. You laugh. They, answer, they do answer some questions, and you know they know what they're talking about, but it's fun. It's playful. And I thought, money doesn't have that. And all of a sudden, I had my niche. So the, the, the negative review that I get is, why don't you shorten the show? Why don't you quit goofing around? Because you guys know what you're talking about and you've got the, the nuggets. N no, <laughs> I don't want to be that. There already is that. If you take away our playfulness and the fun and making it a discussion, 
you're not doing what we want to do, which is based on the science of play, where if, if teachers can design a classroom so that it's designed to be playful, you don't even know that you're learning anything, which is perfect. We said it a few times and people picked up on it right away, which is when I think, you know, it's good stuff. And that is if you learn something listening to Stacking Benjamins, keep it to yourself. That's your problem. We don't want to hear about it. And I love that because I think that because of the way that we've designed the show and we've designed it pretty carefully, you're going to take home eight or nine things without knowing you did. So you've changed the format. I'm assuming some people, you just said they, they, they don't like the yuck yuck. Do you have any other specifics? I think you just said you just got a review. I did. Yeah, I got And this is the negative review that we get all the time. Uh, the headline is some good info, terrible signal to noise ratio. Pros, there's some hidden nuggets of useful or insightful information. Things are generally clearly described. Cons, you have to dig through more than 50% of horribly unfunny dad jokes in chat and low signal, high noise filler. This podcast could be edited down to remove half the waste of your time and still even retain the ads. I understand they're part of the podcast business model. So this reviewer doesn't mind our sponsors, which is good. It means I'm doing that well. I'm apparently delivering financial advice. They just don't think I'm funny. So, which means I got to become more funny, Dave, which is not what they want me to do, by the way. I need to continue to hone my process, right? I have to work and work. And I'm studying radio comedy right now. Uh, I'm constantly studying and trying to get better at the stuff. But the stuff I'm trying to get better at is not getting rid of what they don't like. It's making it so my jokes actually <laughs> retain people instead of like this person repel them. Well, I know I just listened to your latest episode or one of your latest episodes and you did something about Canadian talk and right. I, I enjoyed it so much because it, it, you just steered it right into the wall, right out of the gate. And I'm just like, where is he going with this? And then about the time I was like, this is weird. It was over. And that's the yeah. thing I think I like about your show is your segments are like, you get in, you get out, here's your little nugget. And if you don't like whatever the heck he's doing, just wait three or four minutes and, and you'll move on to, to something else. Well, and that's by design too. When I listened to podcasts, when I was creating Stacking Benjamins, I thought with a lot of podcasts, if I don't like the, the interview, an interview style podcast as, as an example, I hear people talk about having an interview style podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think your podcast can have interviews, but doesn't just have to be interviews. People think, well, I have to choose an interview or this other type. We didn't do that. We have a 15 minute interview. That show that you're talking about, I think had Gene Chatsky from the Today Show on yeah. it, late, waiting in the wings. You know, we, we have some great guests on, but I don't want people to choose my show based on the interview. I want them to choose it based on us. And you know, because you talk about this all the time, that people listen for the host. And I think people mistakenly think that they listen for the guest. They don't. They, wanna, they, they want the guest. They want the nuggets the guest brings. And speaking of nuggets, that's when we get the most nuggets on the show, because I'm trying to get as many nuggets from the guest as we can possibly get. But what I like about our format is I don't want to have a show where if I don't like the guest, I just turn it off and I wait for the next one a week later with, I want to have a format where they'll just fast forward eight minutes because they didn't like that. If I can keep them involved in the show, I keep and retain a listener versus if they forget about me for seven days until the next, now we go three days a week, but most podcaster once a week, they're going to, they might find other shows. I don't want that to happen. We did that on purpose. So you've, you've, basically shuffled the deck five times. What was the first version and, and what was wrong with that? Well, the first version was wrong on purpose. This is kind of funny. We didn't know what the heck we were talking about. And I was listening to people like you and talking about just get it out there. Well, 
I had some paranoia around just getting the show out there. So I decided we would create this show that was a practice show. So we had this website at the time called The Free Financial Advisor. And knowing that we were going to go comedy and not heavy duty comedy, but it was just going to be light. And we also knew that it was going to be not that great. Uh, we called it the worst of the free financial advisor.com. That was the name of our first show. So we figured out that we wanted to go with Libsyn. We figured out how to actually put the show together and upload it. I thought that was magic, by the way. When that happened, like, this is amazing. I can't believe that. And it was way easier than I thought. But all these technical things we didn't know, we were able to get out of the way. We decided ahead of time, Dave, that it was going to be 13 episodes because 13's an unlucky number. And we knew this baby was going to die. So we, we knew ahead of time that it was just to get the kinks out. So then by about episode six, and you've seen this with all of your students, by episode six, we weren't great, but we kind of had a handle. We knew the technical stuff. We knew where the show was headed, right. but we also knew what we were doing wrong. So we tweaked a few things in the format. But the big thing that we did was we changed the name and the name, the another name was two guys in your money. And so we went with two guys in your money for, and by the way, the first one was 13 episodes and that was on purpose. The second one was not on purpose, but it stops after 69 episodes. And that's funny too, but not on purpose. So we, we got to about episode 65 and we went, you know what? There's still a lot wrong Two two guys in your money. Sounds like two men in a truck. It just did not differentiate enough of, of how goofy the show was. Cause once again, we're getting the, we were getting the comments from people like two guys in your money. I thought it was going to be like a radio serious thing and I don't know what to do with it. So we gave it a goofy name. I'm known as being a guy that can't stand announcer guy. If you don't know what you're doing with them, I, I really despise shows that have, Hey, welcome to the school podcasting. Uh, our host Dave Jackson's going to do this and this and this and this. And then as soon as cheesy guy gets done, Dave Jackson comes on and says, first thing says, hi, I'm Dave Jackson. Welcome to the school of podcasting <laughs> <laughs> from the redundant school of redundancy. Right. <laughs> so why are we doing that? Like, and I'll give you an example that a lot of people listen to the show. Listen to Pat Flynn has cheesy announcer guy. Yes. He, he amps up the cheese on purpose. Love it. That's perfect. Right. And he also says something specifically about Pat. Right. And now here's a guy who whatever, yeah. you know, got he once choked on an ice cube. Yeah, exactly. And he's got something that helps. Pat. So I know why he has announcer guy. So we actually changed when we moved to Stacking Benjamins. We changed to announcer guy because all of a sudden I knew we had to have a tonight show or morning drive sound right from the beginning. So immediately at the beginning of our show, I need you to know from the title, from the first two minutes, it's going to be goofy as all get out. And if you're not here for goofiness, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, sports fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to the first day of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to help you afford that next trip to your arena for a fight... I mean, hockey game, we have a fantastic show chock full of money-saving advice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got more of the same old worthless stuff as usual. On today's show, from the Her Money Podcast, please welcome today's show money editor, Gene Chatsky. Of course, we'll also throw in headlines ripped from the pages of the nation's finest news sources, serve up some ice-cold trivia, answer your letters, and 
Respond to Kyle's Haven Lifeline question about funding a Roth IRA. And now, two guys who mom just let out of the penalty box, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J. There's clearly something going on here that's not going on in the Dave Ramsey show, right? <laughs> we might be a little bit different than that. And, and I think that's important for everybody. You know, Marriott Hotels did a study several years ago. Uh, management guru Tom Peters talks about this where they did a study about how quickly people that walk into a Marriott hotel decide they like the hotel. Y- you know, you know how quickly that is two minutes. Yeah. Okay. A, they haven't been to the room yet. In most cases, they haven't even talked to anybody. And I realized I do that when I listen to podcasts, mm. I walk in the front door, I hit play. I hear cheesy announcer guy. I hear the person repeat themselves. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. And don't get me wrong. We do some silly banner, but it is, it's targeted. And I try to have a tone that w- this is going to be very quick. Just, you know, us introducing who we are, commenting on who the guest is and boom, we're into the show. Because if I don't get into the meat quickly, I'm going to lose the guest. And the meat for us are the nuggets that that reviewer talked about. Uh, our headline segment is one of our, one of our nuggets and we get into the headlines, but then we goof around about the headlines. So, well, and is your, Witty banner, for lack of a better phrase. Like, I know the one I was listening to, you guys were talking about hockey. And is that planned? If people go to Podcast Movement or they're on their list, I have a review that they've been using a podcast movement where we 3 x our, our listeners after one of the Podcast Movement conferences, mostly because of what Roman Mars said. Uh, Roman Mars, the guy from 99% Invisible, we were like number 20 in our, in our area. I'm working on my butt off on this show and there's shows above above me and I'm going, Man, I think our show should be ahead of those shows. I think we should be ahead of those shows. And I heard Roman Mars. And the first thing I wrote down, Dave, was I have the ranking I deserve. Roman Mars has created a way better product than I have. He works on it more systematically than I do. And I am where I am because of what I've done. And, and that's it. Sure. Sometimes some shows are going to get listeners I don't get. OK, I can't do anything about that, but I can control having a better show. And I guess my point there is, is that the hockey thing that you're referencing, mm-hmm. we use a tool called Promo Republic that gives us a bunch of goofy information about what's going on that day. We start writing the show five weeks ahead of the show airing date, and we make sure that Doug is either clued in on something that's happening in our universe, which is this, my mom's basement. Mm-hmm. So Doug's, we're either having spring cleaning day in the basement or on that particular episode you listened to, it was the first day of the hockey playoffs. And we said, oh, there's a ton of goofiness we can do around the hockey playoffs, especially since we're going to be we're going to we're going to do Canadian money trivia during the show. So Canada and hockey, two great tastes that go good together. Well, the other thing that I'm amazed at is the one day I forget who the host was, but you actually heard them walking down the steps. And I was kind of like, is he actually in the basement? Like, wait a minute. How, how does that work? We have a fantastic uh, guy who's a mutual friend of ours, Steve Stewart who, when we added Steve to the team, Steve knows the goofiness of the show. He's a guy who's listened to the show for a long time. And I already add sound effects in, but not enough. And he picked up that ball and ran with it with my permission. Yeah. Sound effects are pretty amazing. The other thing we did that I think people be interested in because, you know, our show kind of has a PG 13 vibe. So sometimes people swear. And we had this big thing about, do we leave the cursing in the show or do we take it out? And we experimented with both. And you know what was funniest for us, which is how we edit based on funny, 
it's funnier for us if we have swearing in the show and we bleep it every time. I learned this from Disney Imagineers. They tried to create some rides that were Gary or outlandish or whatever, and they were never big enough for the audience's brain. But with, with this one ride that they've gotten rid of a while ago, if they turned off all the lights and they just gave you the sounds of what's going on in front of you, your brain created way better stuff than Disney could do. So for us, bleeping out the, the cursing in the show has been just a great way to make the show funnier. So how do you handle a negative review? Because it sounds like you're getting people that are showing up and they're they're waiting for Dave Ramsey to talk about the stupid tax and and you're not. So how do you handle that? Luckily, we haven't had a lot of them. I look at, you know, we have 345 reviews and eight are one star reviews. My favorite one, which is boo with like 16 O's. <laughs> and uh, I get all the great that's, readers. That's constructive. Right. Yeah. Well, I take it. <laughs> I take, I take it. I, I'm really happy that people are passionate enough about our product that they want to respond. Right. And they want to put in their two cents because if they're not passionate, they're not going to say anything at all. But I take the negative review when I get it and I compare the review to what I'm, I have in my head of the vision of the show and what we're doing. And I use it for clues to get closer to that. The, the one thing I don't do we're actually going to address this review that you and I just talked about, mm -hmm. which is dangerous because I know if I addressed a negative review on the air, I sound defensive, number one, which isn't good. Number two is there are trolls in your audience and they come out of the woodwork. When I addressed the, uh, a one-star review in the past, I got two more within a week. And I know it's because somebody went, oh, he's listening. Yeah. So I'm going to do it again. But I also, I was listening to a big show called The Nerdist, which I like, and they were talking about some of their bad reviews. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we were going to do kind of what The Nerdist did, because I'm a fan of The Nerdist. He said, point blank, I interview people this way on purpose. I get the negativity, but this is what we are. Uh, Aisha Tyler at uh, Podcast Movement a few years ago said, this is my third grade homemade art project, right? Yeah. It is my art project that I'm giving to you for free. And to some degree, it's mine and I'm sharing it with you. And so I've got to decide, do I change the show based on your review or do I uh, keep it the same? For me, what you can see is instead of saying, oh, we shouldn't be funny anymore. I said, I need to create a new beginning of the show so that people understand who we are better. I didn't ignore it. I changed stuff so that that negativity will go away, not because we're not the same show that we were, but because it's expected from the very beginning. When you come into the Stacking Benjamin's basement, you know what you're going to get and it's not going to be Dave Ramsey. The show on Netflix, House of Cards, I heard an interview with the main actor whose name is this, Kevin Spacey. The very friend, this is a spoiler. We're just going to throw it out there. If you haven't seen season one, where you been? It's been out for whatever, five years. The very first scene, his character kills a dog. It's like the dog comes up and he just snaps its neck or whatever he does. And they said they did that on purpose because that's going to offend some people. And those people would not like the show anyway. So let's just get them out of the way. If you're offended now, stop watching because you're not going to like the rest of it. And I was like, that's kind of a cool little like just plant your flag. And that's kind of what you're doing. You're like, look, we're goofy. We like goofy. We're going to do goofy. And if you don't like goofy, tune out now. We just gave you two minutes of goofy. You're either in or you're out. So I like that idea. Well, thank you. And it also tells you, Dave, that if you're if you're going to stick around and you didn't like killing the dog, you better believe if I'm killing a dog in the first scene of the first show, right. it's going to get worse from there. Yeah. Right? And it does. It does. Uh, another, another spoiler for House of Cards. It totally does. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of sponsors now. 
how has that changed over the years? How long have you been doing the show? We started the show in May of 2014, so coming up on three years for that. But remember, we had uh, over a year of podcasting before that between the worst of the free financial advisor. So four years and three months at this point. So how have you handled sponsors in that aspect? So at first, there are these places like Commission Junction, where you join an affiliate program and we had Hotels.com that accepted us. We called Hotels.com our sponsor. Hotels.com had no idea they were our sponsor. We just sent them to the link and boom, we noticed in their agreement, by the way, Mm -hmm. that there was no problem with us doing it that way. I think you got to make sure you read the agreement with the people about how you can actually represent them. Oh, I have to say this too, Dave. Being a longtime listener of podcasts, people talk about when's the right time to add sponsors to your show. And I have a definite feeling about this. As a longtime podcast listener, I decided I'd go with Hotels.com and I'd put sponsor spots in there even when I didn't have a sponsor because of the fact that when I listened to shows that didn't have a sponsor and they added one, I went, you greedy And they would spend the next like three or four shows defending all the hate mail they got from people like me. And then I realized as a listener, what a double standard I had, because there were plenty of other podcasts I was listening to that had sponsors and I just merrily, okay, that's great. But when they changed, I was already listening. I thought, okay, they're cashing in now. So I didn't want to have that problem. So we created sponsor spots from the beginning. The first real sponsor we had, I was at a conference and I saw Fidelity Investments, which is a big name in our area. And I walked up to the guy and I said, hey, you know what? I don't know if you guys sponsor podcasts. I just asked him. I don't know if you guys sponsor podcasts. And he said, well, you know, we, with my platform, we primarily work with bloggers and we don't have any history in sponsoring a podcast. So I've got a little money that I usually give to bloggers. What are you looking for? Nice. The whole win for me in this conversation was not, was not the amount of money. I want to say Stacking Benjamins is sponsored by Fidelity Investments. Bam, drop the mic. Everybody in my arena. Yeah, these guys must be huge, right? Both my mom and her whole bridge club listen, but I'm not telling anybody that. I'm instead, I just want them to say yes. So I said uh, like 25 bucks a show because I didn't care about the money. And that would cover my hosting cost. You know, it would, it would cover, it wouldn't cover my time, but who cares? We're just developing the show. And they said yes. So for, for actually, I think it was two months, we had Fidelity Investment sponsored our show. And then he said, hey, I got to move on to some other bloggers. I can't do this podcast thing again. Not even sure what that is. But, but, but the thing that I learned was meeting people at conferences for me has been the way to go. Getting the personal touch and making sure they know who you are and you know who they are. And then I would also go to people that, that have been on my show who represent brands And if I really like their brand and I thought that I could talk about them in a way that, you know, I have to be genuine about my sponsors. I have to like what they do. I have to either use their product or love their product. So I go to sponsors and I say, hey, Nick from Magnify Money has been a huge sponsor of ours for a long time. I said, you know, you guys and I are both new. We have, we're growing at a fast rate, both of us. It'd be cool to grow together. We have a similar vibe that I think adds to Magnify Money. Having you as our sponsor just seems very congruent. And he wrote back and said, yeah, let's talk. He's, he's been with us for a, a long, long time, very close to the beginning. We now have a couple of sponsor spots open. I reached out to three brands. One said yes uh, immediately. One is, I think, going to sign. I don't want to jinx myself. And the third one looks very promising. So I, I really like that strategy, though. There are people I know 
They're brands I love. And I know it's congruent and I point that out ahead of time. Now, do you have any kind of media kit or are you just doing this on the phone or? I I don't have a media kit and I should. I've actually, I actually do have one. It's not very good, but I know my stats. We did a survey of our audience. So I know our demographics. I know our number. Here's what I send them. I prefer to get a, a an email that has all the stuff a media kit would have in it, but is much more personal. I show them my Libsyn stats of recent shows, how many listeners we have. I tell them I'm going to charge below that number because I do CPM, which is a funny story why we do that because people say don't do that. We do that. I tell them that if you're looking for clicks, that uh, people don't click like a blog post when it comes to that. You'll get clicks, you'll get some, but that's not the value proposition that we offer. We offer much more of an umbrella branding value proposition. So if you're doing other marketing, laying us on top of it, and you're marketing the same audience that we're attacking, that's a great one-two punch. And then we talk about us helping uh, introduce you to other people that we like because I know some influencers. And by the way, this is why it's so important for me to have brands that I really like myself. It, it becomes an easy email for me to write. Hey, Dave, I want to introduce you to my friend, Brittany at Haven Life. These guys understand partnerships because I've got a great one with them. I thought of you because of you're doing X, Y, Z. I don't know if you guys can work together, but I love hooking cool, cool people up. And that has been very successful for our sponsors also. Now, when you started off, like let's say you, you bring on sponsor number three. Do you have to then contact sponsors one and two and go, oh, by the way, there's a new kid in the pool? I did that when I brought in sponsor two. Right. We, we only have two sponsors per show, two main sponsors per show. They're show sponsors. The third sponsor on an episode, it, it, this is funny. I swear, I, I feel like I have a story for everything. I feel like Grandpa Joe. Hey, let me tell you a story about that. <laughs> but what happened was I'm driving down the road and I hear, I'm listening to ESPN Sports Radio. And whenever people call into ESPN radio, they have the Subway Fresh Tech hotline. At least that's what I thought, because that's what I remember. They had changed it up and it was something different. It was the something, something hotline. And I realized that's no longer the Subway Fresh Tech hotline. And then I went, holy crap, I'm calling the ESPN call-in line the Subway Fresh Tech hotline. I'm calling it that. Well, why, why am I not doing that? We have a voicemail segment on our show. So when we started working with Haven Life Insurance, I didn't have any sponsor spots because I already had two sponsors, but I said, Hey, we have this call in segment. We actually came up with this a little bit later, but I said, it'd be great to have Haven life sponsor that we could call it like the Haven life call in segment or something. And then Brittany at Haven life and I started talking back and forth. And now we call it, we're throwing out the Haven lifeline to you. And Steve Stewart, once again, going back to sound effects, Whenever we say the Haven Lifeline now, he adds in this splash, like <laughs> you can see the ring in the water right. splashing. And that adds that, that audio thing. And uh, my sponsor's happy, my listener's happy. And, you know, we just, we just say, hey, now we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline. Our friends at Haven Lifeline are doing da-da-da-da-da. Go to havenlifeline.com. It's very short. It, it isn't a long thing. But whenever people uh, refer to that segment now, it's cool to hear our listeners say, Hey, I, uh, I was happy to hear myself on the Haven lifeline. Bam. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Now the other thing you do that I thought was really interesting. When did the trivia come into play? We have a trivia segment for people that don't, most people don't have any idea what Dave's talking about. We have trivia yeah. in the middle of our show. Once again, listening to podcasts for a long time, helped me format our show because what frustrated me was I'm in the middle of a great conversation Oh, we're going to take a time out while we spam you with our advertisers right. for a second. Let me tell you about stamps.mattress.whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought, how do we get around that in a way 
that will annoy people less. So my mom's neighbor, Doug, comes back on. Once again, writing the storyline five weeks ahead of time helps because we can kind of develop a story of what's going on. Just to give you an idea of, of some of the storylines, Doug introduces the beginning of our show, my mom's neighbor, Doug, that we're having somebody on talking about the sharing economy and how you can make money by sharing your house, sharing your tools, walking people's dogs, whatever, sharing your car. And so we have the person on. The trivia is on right after that. He, he gives a trivia question then. How many people are participating in the sharing economy or how much money does the average person make or whatever? So it helps the guest. It's a continuation of the storyline. And then he says, I'll be back with the answer right after this. And then we do, I really like the show Startup. I like the way they do these, their, their segments. So our mid-roll segment is I got some snippet from my sponsor talking about their product. My pre-roll is a live read. And then the mid-roll is actually sounds like a commercial, but I hope sounds like a good one. And then Doug comes back with the trivia. So the whole reason for the trivia, to answer your question in the longest possible way, Dave, <laughs> is because of the fact that I wanted it to be entertaining and I wanted people to have a couple minutes to think about the answer to the trivia question. Well, I know for me, I still cannot get the mental picture. One of the trivia questions was what it was about Ben Franklin in, in, in the air bath. And Ben Franklin apparently takes an air bath in the morning. Now, again, this basically means the man is walking around naked and he sits in a rocking chair. So I now have this mental picture of Ben Franklin, who, by the way, is rocking the Ben Franklin, right? Bald on top, got the Ben Franklin, the long, he's got, he, it's a, it's a mullet and naked in a chair. And I'm picturing sweat now on an empty chair. Who, who's going to sit in the chair next? <laughs> the mental picture was off the hook. And I was like, so as I'm laughing at that, I'm now listening to your sponsor. And by the time I get done laughing and I've heard your sponsor, I'm, and then I'm like, who is the, you know, it sucked me in. And then I, it's like, I didn't have to wait too long for the sponsor to be over. I just thought I was, I was clapping. I was listening to that in the mall and I was like, bravo. That, that was, that was an awesome way to, to keep me listening. And I didn't fast forward because I was afraid if I fast forward that I'm going to yep. miss the answer. So I just right. thought it was a cool way of, of keeping people engaged in that way. I think that's what you do. You just listen to shows that you like. You say, what do they do well? And you replicate it. One of my favorite authors is this guy, Austin Kleon, who has this book called Steal Like an Artist, meaning don't plagiarize, but take the stuff that you like and the stuff that annoys you and change it. I didn't have an announcer guy for a long time because it annoyed me. When I had one, I knew I had one. I have the trivia segments because mid-rolls annoy me, but I need to make money doing this. So I keep podcasting. So I needed to find a way to creatively make you get through it. So Joe, you, you mentioned CPM earlier. Uh, so I want to go back to that. Why did you choose to go CPM when everybody else is going you know, per episode? My goal with the first podcast conference was I want to know more about sponsors. So I went to Todd Cochran's. Uh, he had a great thing with uh, a guy from an ad agency. And they talked about all the different ways people charge. And what he said there was the hardest way to make money in podcasting a CPM is, is cost per thousand. So at that time, the show wasn't very big. And I thought, I want to know if everything hits the fan. I want to know how that works just in case. So I started off in CPM when I thought it didn't matter. And what I found for me was it was a great carrot at consistently making a better product and trying to market my show. And it's really more about me than them. I understand I could probably make more money short term, but I like the I like the cost benefit. My my sponsor pays more money when I have more listeners, which means it's it's a show that's well marketed and is a better hopefully a better product, which is why more people are listening. So I get that it might be 
quicker money for me to do things a different way for my behavior. You know, it, the CPM, it turns out, works really, really well. Nice. Now, you mentioned earlier that you had, and I forget her name, from the Today Show? Gene Chatsky, yeah. yeah. How is that? What Were you going through an agency or what's how are you making that happen? Now, I just reach out uh, to people and I'll tell you a couple tools that we use. I, I know that the, the easiest time for me to get somebody is when they're on a new book tour. Right. And so I use a tool called NetGalley where you get to look at new books. You can sign up at NetGalley. That doesn't mean that they're going to prove you for every book, but I get to look into the future and see what books are coming. And then I reach out to say, hey, I want to get a, uh, a copy of this. What happens is you just click, yes, I want this. A couple days later, usually they give you approval. When they give you approval, it goes to my Kindle. I get a really sloppy looking copy because it's usually early on right. in my in my Kindle to, to, to look at it. And then I decide if I want them, then I reach back out to the publisher and I start off with, hey, thanks for approving me through NetGalley. I know you did that because you probably want me to interview them on this awesome podcast I have. And here's the deal with our show. It's kind of light. It's kind of fun. It's going to be a different interview than a lot of the ones they do. I want to talk to them kind of about this and uh, will they do it? And I don't get a lot of no's. I was listening to your last episode and this is a brilliant idea. You do eight weeks and then you take a week off. Was that something you did from the start or is that something after you were crispy and chewing on your tongue that you decided maybe we should take a break? <laughs> it started at about the end of Two Guys in Your Money. What we found was after a year of podcasting, we were burning out. We were happy with doing it. We love doing it. It's so much fun, but we were just frying. And what was happening was you were seeing it in the product. Some of the shows were sloppy. Some of the guest selection was like, oh, hell, let's have them on because we need meat, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, we got to feed the beast. If a show wasn't out at 1 a.m., like I like them out three days a week, it would sometimes come out at, I, I'd say, no, I'm going to bed and I get it out by noon the next day and I need to be consistent. So I decided to recharge the batteries. We'd start with eight weeks on and one week off, like you were mentioning. We did that where we didn't have a show that ninth week, but talking to a lot of people, we, we have some alpha listeners and I recommend this to everybody. Find your alpha listeners and engage in conversations with those people that are brutally honest. I like having people that are like a Gordon Ramsay in my corner. I know that, that and this is my mom's neighbor, Doug, I'm on our show. He listens to every show. I know that he loves me. I'm going to be fine. And he just cuts the brutal feedback. You could have done that better. I heard Dave Letterman used to go back after his show and he'd watch it three times afterwards. I, I want the show to be great. So I talked to Doug and he said, I understand needing to take a break, but why do you just take a week off? Because people now are trained Monday, Wednesday, Friday to listen to you. And you know what they're doing? They're not stopping listening to podcasts. They're going to listen to somebody else's podcast. So we came up with this device called our intern. The first one was my daughter, Autumn, and we have this fake intern that comes down to the basement. So we do replay episodes, what we call rewinds, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with an intern in the basement while we take a week off. Nice. And then what are you doing, what are you doing during that week off? I then am using it because we do get behind. You know, I say we have a five-week production schedule. Mm -hmm. During that eight weeks, is, as you can believe, everything gets behind. And so that allows us to push it out a week. We spend time looking for new sources of comedy. We dig deeper for better guests. And by better, I don't mean bigger. You talk all the time about, about Jared Easley and, and not chasing influencers. We're chasing people you're not going to hear on other shows. We had a professional art forger on. We've had guys that have built video games and people from, from Hollywood on. So we try to get a little creative that week. 
and think, what can we do that's a little different? How can we surprise people? Well, we started off the show talking about how, you know, you've changed your format and occasionally you might get somebody who doesn't get the format. I think that's a way of, of looking at it. They don't get the format. What have you heard on the other end of the spectrum, the people that do get the format? Our fans are uh, absolutely amazing. And I love what we established this area. I should have done it earlier for our fans. Friends of mine told me you should have a close Facebook group. And we created a close Facebook group way too late, but I didn't want to do it until I could do it well. And I didn't think I could do it well until about a year ago. And when we created that, it was funny to see people come in. We're only up to about 650 people in the green room. We call it right now, kind of behind the scenes. But the stuff that they post shows that they get it, which is awesome because I'm in a lot of financial closed Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and they're all what you would expect. Tell me about your budget. Uh, What about your spreadsheet? How's your net worth looking? Like all of these nerdy finance topics. Ours is people posting hilarious memes that they saw online that have nothing to do with money. And then the next one is a very serious question about my 401k and what maybe should I do with it? And a lot of times I don't even get involved because our listeners are helping each other in there. And I just try to be in there enough. And luckily, all the characters in our show are in there. But they but they totally get it. I think the best story, I had a woman, I was actually in Puerto Rico on a anniversary trip with my spouse when I, I got this letter from this woman saying that I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate these three things that you're doing. And I realized, Dave, that those were the three new things we had just started with. And by the way, when we ripped it down the last time, we lost... We lost about a third of our listeners. And by then the show was rolling and we lost over the next two months. It was horrible. Oh, it was horrible. But I knew that it wasn't right. And I had to make another switch. And by the way, then we three X'd our listeners uh, within just a, just a few months because when they came back, they came roaring back quicker. But during that downturn, this woman said, I love your show. I listen to you guys constantly and I hate it. I hate all the new stuff you're doing. It's horrible. And I always think when somebody sends me that type of feedback, if they're going to email me, like they want to have a discussion about the format because I love talking about it. Right. That wasn't, that wasn't it. She just wanted to bitch. But anyway, <laughs> she, she, it turns out I was wrong. But I wrote this long, it, it was maybe 2,000 word email about, yes, I hate it too because we don't have 10,000 hours in yet. We're not, we're not great at this yet, but we will be. And I'll tell you, if I don't make this change now... I'm going to be dealing with it on bigger and bigger numbers because the show's growing nicely and I just need to make the, I got to make it now versus later. She wrote me back. That's the most egotistical defensive letter I've ever gotten back. Shame on you. I can't stand you. You're an egomaniac because I told her I'm not going to change. I'm just going to get better at it. Wow. The best letter I got though was when I created the green room about seven months after that, she wrote me a letter back saying, not only am I still here, you might have noticed today I'm one of the I noticed I'm one of the first 10 people in your new group. I love the show more than ever. You were right. It's awesome. It is way better than it was before. Good job and thank you for not taking my advice. Nice. There you go. Sweet. That is cool. Vindication, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that proves one other thing that we all know. Human beings do not like change at all. Any way, any shape or form doesn't matter. They were comfy and uh Now, here's the big question. Speaking of being comfy, are you comfortable with the show now? I'm very comfortable with the format. I I like when you listen to the show. I like the product that you're getting. I like the fact that I listen to every episode before it goes out. I know I've had friends that I've convinced to do that. They they hire out somebody to put put together the show, upload it to Libsyn. Mm -hmm. 
I got this directly from Roman Mars. This isn't me. He said, we all sit around a table. This is a podcast movement. We all sit around a table and everybody's got to give the thumb up. I got to give the thumb up on a show before it goes out, even though Steve Stewart's putting most of it together. And generally, after I get it back from Steve, I still cut maybe another 10% after he's done, even though the product he delivers to me is awesome. I just, as the creator of the show, I got to have that last thumb up. So I do like it when it comes out. There's things afterwards I think, yeah, we could have probably done that better, but we'll catch it next time. At some point, it's just got to go, right? right? But I like the product. I don't like our marketing of the product. I, we don't market enough. And that's our, that's our next thing. Not enough people... Not enough people listen to the show. I don't, I spend so much time creating it. I, I feel very blessed that it grows without that, which I think has a lot to say for what you say all the time. Your number one marketing is make a show people want to listen to. Right. I mean, that's people always say, how do I get more listeners? Make stuff people don't turn off. <laughs> Ta-da! But, but still, now that I think I have that, you know, I got some great feedback from one of my alpha listeners just saying, he goes, I don't see you on social media nearly enough. I don't see you. You are not out there talking and not really talking about the show, just talking. Because if you're talking about your about not just your product, but just interacting, people are going to say, who is that guy? I, I really want to know more about them. And oh, he's got this show. Maybe the show's good. So we just hired a social media person for 10 hours a week who's who's going to help us with that. I really want her to be a community manager. I, I hired this this woman who is bubbly and fun. She matches the, the uh, spirit of the show. And so we'll have another face out there of Stacking Benjamins who's, I mean, I really want, I'll tell you who I want for people in this show. I want Elsie Escobar. That's who I want. You think of, of Libsyn, you think of Elsie Escobar. Right. And uh, what's amazing is, is that Elsie Escobar isn't Libsyn, but she is for me. And I really like Elsie Escobar. So I want to learn more about that, about that company. I know now I need that person. So that's our next step. That's what I'm not happy with. The last thing I want to dig into is your background and cause you've got radio, correct? You were in Detroit radio. Yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't start there, but you were um, on D- you were also on TV. Like I was. How, where did you like, did you go to school anything for any of this stuff or how did you, what's, what's your story, man? So I think like a lot of podcasters, I, my story started when I was a little kid and, and as a, as a dude who turns 50 next year, this will be lost on our younger listeners. But remember those little cassette player things where you'd have to press two oh, yeah. two things to make the cassette go? I would, my brother and I would have a fake radio station, right? We'd have a fake thing and we we had it and we called it WACO because we thought that was wacko. That was crazy radio. And so that was when I was like eight, uh, we would do that. And then when I was in high school, I decided, you know, I like this idea of, of disc jockey and dances. That would be fun. So I became a disc jockey doing high school dances and stuff. So I become a financial planner later on and they're hiring people to give these dinner seminars. These, what we refer to in the business as rubber chicken dinner seminars at these faceless hotel rooms, right? You get a bunch of people in there, you give them the dog and pony show, and then hopefully some of them become clients. Well, they wanted people to be experts there. And I applied, I'd only been a financial advisor for the year. And they said, hey, can you, are you afraid to speak in front of a bunch of people? I said, well, no, as long as I don't have to lead the hokey pokey or the chicken dance, like I'd love to do it. They said, oh, no, no, we're going to teach you everything to say. You just have to say it. Well, then I learned very quickly that the stuff I was saying, some of it was baloney. <laughs> I really didn't want to say that. So I changed the speeches. But, but it, I, guess, I guess the, you know, we talk about the 10,000 hour thing. I've had 10,000 hours of talking 
to people and trying to be entertaining. But during that time, American Express, which was the company that I worked with, they picked me to be part of their media core. I was one of 12 advisors in the country that could speak on behalf of the company without having to go through compliance first. And they gave me media training then. So at that point, I got I, I got a bunch of training and that's when the TV stuff started and the radio started. Fun. So you started off, with, so you're the guy, like, hey, everybody, let's... Uh... Let's get this party started, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Every cheesy thing ever. <laughs> so cheese is built into our show for a reason. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, the last thing I want to ask you, and then uh, I'll let you get out the door. I realize we've been talking like forever. You, you seem like a person that is not afraid to express their opinion. What are the things that, that drive you nuts when you listen to a podcast? Because you're an avid podcast listener. I'm actually going to, boy, this tease, this tease up. My, I, I feel very lucky. Uh, the podcast movement people have asked me to speak and I've, I'm going to give a lot of those opinions. I'll give you a couple here, but I'm going to give a lot of those opinions at my speech. If you're going to podcast movement, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, luring people in and retaining them through thinking about your format nice, and just formatting your show for the win because people do things at the wrong time. And that's what drives me crazy. Here's what I don't like, Dave. I don't like community building at the beginning of the show. And I hear it all the time. Hey, uh, I'm going to be on this. I'm going to now I say I'm, I'm Joe Salcihai, average show money on Twitter. When I introduce myself the first time, just to say I have a social media presence, but that takes two seconds. I don't like when you spend a lot of time talking about your latest webinar or talking about how my fans like me or listener numbers or all that stuff. You got to get to the meat right away because the beginning of your show is about the new listener. The new listener doesn't understand anything about you except what they're hearing now. And if they're hearing there's this, I, I don't care about the community. I care about what your title said. Even with my show where the title doesn't mean anything because we talk about eight things a show. I put the most clickbaity title up there every time because I learned people still click when I have a clickbaity title and they don't when I don't. So, but then I got to get to that clickbait very quickly or they feel like it was clickbait. They don't feel like it, like it made sense to them. So don't build community at the beginning, build community at the end, because at the end of your show, the people that are left are people like me who've been in the community for a while. I'm hanging out. I want to hear more about Dave and what Dave's doing. You could talk about anything you want at the end of your show. And I also don't like it when people at the end of their show don't community build. Like I'll hear these great shows that are interview shows. They spend the entire time like they're an expert at X thing. And they spend the entire time talking about the interviewee, right? And what they do. Then they say, well, how can we learn more? The interviewee says how they can reach them. And then they say, bye-bye. I'm like, but you missed this huge opportunity for people to learn more about you, to have this community sharing time. Listen, if I'm just there for the meet, I get it at the end of the show. I'm just going to hang up and I'm going to skip the community stuff. But if you do that at the beginning, they're going to turn it off and they're never going to come back. And you got to, I think you got to change that around. Very cool. Well, everybody, if you want to, I'm a big fan. I, I have, uh, and I, and Joe has been gracious enough. He's come to, to Cleveland a couple of times and we always have breakfast and I always listen to an episode on the way there. And the last time I listened, I was like, you know what? I actually like his show. Why am I not subscribed to this? So you are in my phone now, my friend. And, uh, I like it. It's, it's fun. And I, I, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I should actually think about my finances now because I don't. Oh. And That's crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> so find him over at stackingbenjamins.com. Joe, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Well, thanks a ton. And you know, the the love is likewise. I, I love those breakfasts. I always feel bad because I get you to work late. 
because we're having so much fun talking. <laughs> but you also know that every Monday morning that you're going on my run with me. Every single Monday, I've got the School of Podcasting and we're jogging around the block. So I'm very sweaty when I'm listening to you. Okay. Is there anything you should say to yourself now? Like, do you need to remind yourself about anything? Yeah. Make sure that, uh, yeah, go get bread. Okay. We're, we're just about out of bread. Thank you, Joe. Again, find him over at stackingbenjamins.com. And yes, there will be dessert in this week's episode. And you'll have to stay to the very end to understand what that means. Speaking of uh, coming to the end, the end of the month is really almost next week. And you know I do the last episode based on its user-generated and or listener-generated, I guess I would say. And what I need you to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash poll. 564. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash poll 564. Links are in the show notes, and it's a super quick kind of form. It's just, are you interested in making money from your podcast? How many downloads do you get after 30 days? Do you currently have any advertising? What's the smallest amount you would take per episode for your podcast? And then which of the following have you done in regards to getting sponsorship? Now, realize today we talked about sponsors with Joe. You don't have to have sponsors in your podcast. That's just something that some people want to do. That's kind of what next week's episode will be about, along with some other things that are coming up. Also in the future, I've got Neil Galarte, who was the editor of the Messengers documentary. He's coming on. I've got Katie Kremitzos, who is going to talk about Facebook groups. And uh, I'm kind of interviewing people who've been around. Uh, Joe, as you figure out now, he's gone through different iterations of a show. Again, about three years is where I'm starting to find kind of a cool sweet spot with people. But that doesn't mean I only interview people. And I only interview people that I think had something to come on and, and bring some value. And today I really like the fact that Joe is just not afraid to tweak his audience or his format in the event it does then tweak his audience. But here's the thing. He kind of glossed over that when he says, I 3X'd my audience. He means, and he showed me his stats, where sure enough, his his uh, stats took a dive when he switched the format. And then right after it, like somebody flipped the switch and they just went through the roof. So he had to put up with a little bit of shenanigans from people going, I hate the show. But in the end, he made a more entertaining show and that brought in more people. And all the uh, links and everything, the books that he mentioned, the uh, links to things like NetGalley and things of that nature, that's all in the show notes. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 562. Also want to mention that if you're going to be going to Podcast Movement, you can use the coupon code SOP10 to save 10% off your ticket. Just go to podcastmovement.com. That's in August out in Anaheim, California, where I'll be speaking. It's going to be a great time. For me, it's like uh, summer camp going to these different events. I love it. And then last but not least, hey, if you're ready, if you're like, hey, you know what? Now that I understand that I can just tweak my show because it's my show and I own it and I can do whatever I want with it and I'm ready to start a podcast now because maybe that was holding me back, just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER and that will get you into our private Facebook group, the step-by-step tutorials, the twice a month live coaching, as well as priority email support. And you're also tapping into my 12 years of experience. And if you come in and let's say on day 29, you're like, this isn't for me. That's fine. You got 30 day money back guarantee. So that's going to do it for this episode of the school of podcasting. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless.
<laughs> my best my best dance uh, that I ever played was uh, was this party where these people came in and, you know, I talked to the bride ahead of time and I'm introducing the wedding party as they're coming into the hall and uh, and their last name was was Erky. But I didn't know that the bride had a speech impediment. No, no. And she was pronouncing it Arky. So as they come in and everybody's half the people are from the family. It's a big family. Right. I, I'm mispronouncing every single person's name as they're coming through the door. And then, and then and it's just one of those parties that went from bad to worse. Yeah. Then they come up and this is back in the days of records. They come out and they start dancing and my record skips because nice. we're on the second floor. But then when they realized that my record skip, they hated me so much. They started jumping up and down to try to make my record skip more. Thank you. That was a bad night. Excellent. I was lucky. I was lucky to get out of there alive and get paid. But you've had tons of those because of your experience. I went on after a mail review and I'm literally, I go on the stage and there's all these guys in bright orange thongs, like hunting thongs (laughs) and they're greasy. They're just greased over and the crowd is going bonkers. And so I remember the one guy like went to shake my hand and I'm like, you. And so they get done and then we're going to play some country music for him. And I did a thing and which was awesome because nothing better than going on front of an audience of that's like 98% female that just they're ready to go. And so we did one song where I used to jump off the stage a la Angus Young and go into the crowd. Oh, yeah. And I did and literally got mauled. Like they were just any. It's like, look, it's a man. And I was like, you know. So I'm like, help me. Yeah, that was that was fun. So I also found out that way the hard way because some of these had really nice dance floors and I wanted to do the Eddie Van Halen and and run and slide on my knees. And nobody told me that they throw sawdust on the dance floor so that you can't slide and skip. (laughs) And I I ran, jumped and my knees hit and stuck. And I just went. Yeah. And so it was kind of one of those where you have to kind of go. Yeah, I planned that now that I, you know, I broke my leg and I yeah. So that was fun. That's that's something else that we do on our show when it comes to surprises. Okay. I learned this, Austin Cleon, Steal Like an Artist. I learned this from another podcast called the Major Nelson Podcast. Uh, they used to stop for 45 seconds after the show was over, and then they'd have a hidden track. Yes. And, and every show, we stop for 45 seconds, then we have a hidden track. And we call, we call it the after show. We tell people what happens in the after show stays in the after show. You're not allowed to talk about the after show. People were doing it. So we tell them if you have to talk about it at all, you can call it dessert. You can just say the dessert portion I love today or I didn't like the dessert today. Excellent. And it's our little joke. And that that was built because I like feeling like as somebody who's listened to a podcast for a long time, I know something about the show that new listeners don't know. I know some Easter eggs and hiding Easter eggs inside your show, I think, is uh, is a fun way to retain retain people. I love it when somebody writes to me after they, and this has happened several times, they've listened to the show for six months and they go, I never knew. I never knew. And <laughs> I, I turned it off the second you stopped talking and you've got this whole other thing going on. Right. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. 